Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com/fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com/fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. If you've been bit by the gardening bug, it's not going to be long before you're going to be craving a hobby greenhouse. With a greenhouse, you can get a jump on spring planting, keep tender plants from freezing in the winter, and perhaps most fun of all, starting all sorts of delicious fruit and vegetable varieties from seed, varieties you possibly wouldn't find at a nursery. And there's no reason why you can't be growing tomatoes, peppers, greens, strawberries, and a lot more any time of the year if you have a properly outfitted greenhouse, even if you live in snow country. And today on Garden Basics, we get tips for cold climate greenhouses, special considerations for those of you who want to be munching on fresh, homegrown cherry tomatoes while you're shoveling snow. I've got a few tips as well about which tomato varieties do best in the winter greenhouse. And Debbie Flower has a way to keep your homebound kids enthralled with a simple science experiment, growing radishes in CD cases. It's episode 56 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you by Smart Pots. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. Here on the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, we talked a while ago about greenhouses and how they can do a lot of good if you want to get into gardening and extend your seasons, maybe into early, early spring or late, late fall. Well, what about all our friends who live in really cold climates where maybe your main concern right now is, is my snowblower going to start? Well, you too can have a greenhouse, and a lot of people are still in the gardening mode, and they want to be able to grow things over the winter. And even if you don't live in really cold country, a greenhouse can get you through a frost or a freeze very easily, and you'll love how comfortable it is in the wintertime. We're talking with Mark Seibert. Mark owns Sturdy Built Greenhouses up in Oregon. And Mark, a, a greenhouse is a great solution for just about any gardener, I guess, as long as you have the room. You're absolutely right, Fred, and hello, everyone. Thank thank you for supporting us, and we're calling here from Portland, Oregon, and it's beautiful and sunny. doesn't rain every day, but yes, back to your question there, Fred. A greenhouse is a controlled climate, and the idea is you want to grow something. Let's say you want to grow a salsa garden. That salsa garden is going to need to be propagated all year long, whether it's 20 below outside or, or 80 degrees out, outside. So whatever your temperature is inside, that's a controlled climate, and your greenhouse can provide access to food year-round. So what we'll want to do is make sure that you can do so efficiently, and at the same time, it's also a great solution if you've got some sensitive plants. Let's say you've got a Myers lemon, and that Myers lemon in the cold, what's it going to do? Not going to be happy, so you want to overwinter it. Most of us will put it in our garage or put it into our front room for the winter. But if you want to keep it in a greenhouse, you want to keep it where it can get the natural light, overwintering your sensitive plants, such as your lemons, limes, your mandarins that are in pots, put it in a greenhouse and it'll be a refuge from the cold. 
Citrus does well in a greenhouse or for that matter, in a sunroom as well. And we'll, we'll touch on sunrooms, too, in this. So for people who live in really cold climates, what are some of the special considerations that they have to uh, figure out and uh, and then proceed? That's great. So the first thing is location, location. You need to understand how much you know, solar radiation you'll be you'll receive in your greenhouse. And that's based on the azimuth of the sun as it comes in. And you've got other considerations as well. So we're gonna I'm gonna touch on ways to keep your, you know, to propagate. I'm gonna touch on heating the greenhouse and some more. So we'll start off with some of the techniques you can use to warm your soil or warm those peat pots so the seeds propagate. One is called a heat mat. Commercially available, like 110 volt, a two by four foot uh, heat mat. You put all your peat pots on that. That heat will just will just rise right through that peat pot. Seeds will sense the warmth. They'll begin to sprout and you're, good, and you're golden at that point. Another method, if you've got a grow box and you say, how do I get that same same technique in a grow box. We have a, a commercially available called soil cables, and they're basically they wind through the the soil and they basically warm the soil. So the same thing happens. Now, what about the air around those plants? How do you heat a greenhouse? You have got choices. You can do electric heat. You can do uh, radiant heat from the floor. You can do propane or natural gas. So when you're thinking about this, the first thing is the cost. If you are in here in, in Oregon, you'll find that we've got run of river electricity and we get our electricity really inexpensively. But in other areas, electricity cost is high. So maybe propane or natural gas. But at the same time, you just pick what's best for you. You'll have to know that you know gas heaters will, may require venting because and they but they are clean burning nowadays and a great solution. You'll want to put them on a thermostat because you don't want to go in 24 by 7, nor do you want to be wetted to your greenhouse, so you have to go out there every 10 minutes adjusting it. So give yourself a good good thermostat there, and that way there you can get the heat in your greenhouse. And, of course, that heater needs to be sized for your cubic feet, and the manufacturer or greenhouse supplier can help you to get it sized. Now, what about the walls of a greenhouse in really cold country? I would think that, the, as they would say, the R value would have to be up there. When you're thinking about a greenhouse, you think of this beautiful glass structure you look through. And, but if you think of glass, what is this thing called R value, which is the thermal resistance, right? right. And that R value on our home is like R11 up to R24. On a greenhouse, it's a little bit different because glass has an R value, not very impressive, R value of 1. So how do you increase that R value so you can keep your heating and cooling costs lower? The way you do that is to add additional glazing. Now, that can be done different ways. Different manufacturers and suppliers of greenhouses have different solutions. One solution is you use a different material on the outside, such as a plastic like a twin wall polycarbonate. Another another option is to put a second layer of glazing, which basically uses that technique to increase the R value. You won't get up into the teens, but you'll be able to get at least around an R value of three and a half or so max on your walls and your ceiling. That'll allow you to keep your heating costs lower while creating that perfect environment for you. Well, that brings up a, another issue that we probably should touch on, and that's a humidity in a greenhouse. How do you keep moisture from forming in between a double-glazed greenhouse wall? Yeah, you know, greenhouses are by definition a moist environment. 
So humidity, if you need to add humidity, the inexpensive and easy way to do it is to get yourself a a timer and a misting kit and put it on and just get your floor wet. Have a fan on the wall to mix up the air, a circulating fan, and that's how you can add humidity without much cost at all. You can certainly buy expensive um, humidifiers that will do exactly the same thing, but just a simple solution from Home Depot, as long as you've got a like a, a nice floor and you can just spray that floor and then let humidity happen. But then again, how do you keep the moisture from forming between a, a double glazed wall? Ah, well, that moisture, what you need to do is keep the air circulating inside your greenhouse. Mm. We recommend a wall mount oscillating fan. That oscillating fan has a couple of benefits, one of which is to keep that air moving around so it wicks off and that adds humidity to your greenhouse. The second thing is if you've got a second pane and you've got double glazings going on, you want to make sure that air circulates. So you don't want to seal it in, that that interior one. You want to make sure that air circulates by having air gaps. The other consideration when you're looking at a wall mount oscillating fan is it will basically add, as it moves that air around, it'll strengthen your plants because with that little bit of wind load it adds, your plants will go up stronger. Think of a tomato growing up in a windless area. How strong would it be? That's what that fan will do for you. Another advantage of having an oscillating fan in a greenhouse, if you're growing tomatoes over the wintertime, you want that slight breeze from an oscillating fan to help pollinate your tomato flowers and to give a little strength to those tomato plants. Those tomato plant stems will develop stronger if they have a slight breeze on them. Otherwise, they're kind of limp. But if you're experiencing any sort of self-pollinating plants that you're trying to grow, that fan can come in very handy. You're absolutely right. And I... I tell customers, and I say, look, if you want to have a successful experience, add a fan. I've had customers who said, no, I don't want to do that, and they'll call back and say, I've got mold growing. Well, what do you think? Add a fan. We're glad to have SmartPots on board supporting the Garden Basics podcast. SmartPots are the original award-winning fabric planter. They're sold worldwide. SmartPots are proudly made 100% in the USA. I'm pretty picky about who I allow to advertise on this program. My criteria, though, is, is pretty simple. It has to be a product I like, a product I use, a product I would buy again. And SmartPots clicks all those boxes. They're durable. They're reusable. SmartPots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit SmartPots.com Fred. It's SmartPots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to SmartPots.com Fred for more info and that special Farmer Fred discount on your next SmartPot purchase. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. We're talking with Mark Seibert of Sturdy Built Greenhouses up in Portland, Oregon, and we're talking specifically about greenhouses for cold winter climates. Let's talk about light. You mentioned earlier about the azimuth of a sun, and boy, oh boy, in, in, in northern latitudes, that sun is pretty low in the horizon for a lot of the day. So I would think situating a greenhouse where it can see the sun uh, on the south side, it should be an area where there aren't any tall trees around. Exactly. So you know, with this, when the sun's lower, the plants still need their light, especially if you want to propagate and a sun-loving plant like peppers. 
So what you'll do is you'll get, you can get some LED lighting. That is the best solution. There's a company in California called California Lightworks. They offer a great solution for the vegetative growing. I think their, their vegetative growing light offers 25 square feet of growing. It's a great solution, and we can thank our friends in the cannabis industry for all their great investment into LED lighting. So that is the grower's best bet nowadays. You can still use other forms of lighting, but for bang for the buck, the LED lighting will work best for you in the longer term. All right, so we've got a fan to help uh, ease the humidity and mold situation and pollinate the plants. We've got uh, lights for the plants. They'll probably need that extra light in the dark days of winter. Uh, We've got a heater, but we still need water. Yes, you do, because, you know, when you think of putting your greenhouse, it's best to have a hose spigot inside your greenhouse. So that way there you don't have to think of running a hose over the snow and having it freeze up and all the nasty things might happen. So the idea is you underground and then you bring that that host spigot inside your greenhouse. You can connect and you can propagate there with free-flowing water. No one wants to be hauling buckets of water out to your greenhouse. Exactly. So if you live in a cold climate where you're basically shutting down your outdoor water system before you build that greenhouse, you may want to do some trenching and uh, put in some water pipes probably, what, 12, 18 inches down and bring it up uh, where that uh, greenhouse is going to be. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about snow and the greenhouse. Just how much snow can a greenhouse hold before it collapses? That's a great question. Well, when we look at snow, we talk about, we measure it in terms of ground snow load. And if you go to a website called ATC Hazards by Location or at no cost, it's run by a structural engineer organization. They do a great job and a great service. You can type in your address and get your ground snow load and your wind load. Once you know that, then you can say, okay, what do I need to support? Now, if you put too much snow load even on your own home, your roof's going to collapse. So what do they do in your home? They actually add strengthening to your home structure. Same principles apply to greenhouses. So as you work with designing your own greenhouse or buy one, a kit, or a, from another from another supplier, what you can do is just ask them, saying, my ground snow load is 30 pounds, 50 pounds, 80 pounds per square foot. What are you going to do to make sure my greenhouse is not going to to uh, collapse? May I share a story, Fred, about one of our customers? Please do. Okay, we have a customer. It's they are in Colorado. They purchased one of our greenhouses, and of course, they wanted a they didn't want any posts or anything. But they're in the mountains of, of Colorado, and they we told them, says, look, with your snow load, you need to put posts in. Fortunately, they agreed, and they put the posts in. A few weeks later, we got a beautiful photograph of their greenhouse, waist-deep snow. Thank you, thank you, thank you, because the greenhouse is looking great and standing tall in that beautiful Colorado snow. You have a lot of great pictures on your website at sturdybuilt.com of, of your customers' greenhouses. And there was one of a greenhouse in Alaska it looked to be completely encased in snow. There was a lot of snow on that roof, and I'm I'm shaking. I'm wondering, how long is that greenhouse going to stand? We hope they last upwards to 30 years. The uh, Using tempered glass on a roof, which is stronger than standard glass, that is the key when you've got uh, heavy snow load is tempered glass on the roof. You'll want to add posts. You'll probably need beams to support those posts to transfer the load from the roof 
down to the floor. All right. And by the way, if you're wondering what that website was, Mark mentioned uh, the exact website is hazards.atccouncil.org. And that way you can they'll help you figure out uh, what you need for wind loads, snow loads, even tornadoes or even seismic information. And, you know, if let's say, you, you know, you will find some cases they don't have the information. They'll call that a case study area or a special case area. If that's the case, your next go-to location, your next go-to place for information is your local county or local city, and they should know the ground snow load for your location or be able to guide you. Are there any special considerations for flooring in a greenhouse in colder climates? Flooring standpoint, we you know the general rule on a greenhouse is you moisture to grow into the go into the ground. But if you've got by having your heater on and keeping the greenhouse sixty eight degrees or sixty two degrees, you are not going to have any problem with freezing. If you don't have it heated, then you're going to have problems, and it's not going to be that perfect growing environment. Flooring standpoint, we prefer to have a porous floor so the, the water from that excess water goes back into the earth. Well, at the same time, I would just guide your customers and your listeners to basically you only need to pave where you walk. So if you've got benches, just put pea gravel under those, but just put some pavers down. What kind of pavers should I put down? Bricks on sand, pavers on sand, or you can just put pea gravel or you can build yourself a wooden boardwalk. Whatever, you know, floats your boat on that one, you'll be able to have a good rolling surface that's safe and sturdy for you. All right. Drainage is key, just like for plant life. Drainage is key for a greenhouse. Instead of uh, just a, a standalone greenhouse, are sunrooms an option for people in colder climates? Yes, they are. Sunrooms are a good option because the the home provides some insulation, even a heat sink for your greenhouse, particularly if your sunroom is facing a south or east or west, where there's just a lot of radiation coming in during the times of day, morning or evening. The idea is, is that if it's attached to your home, it becomes a natural heat sink. And then it'll also, depending on the color of your home, it could reflect light off the wall back to your plants. And that also would depend on what kind of glazing you have, whether it's a clear glass or it's a polycarbon. So I like when it's attached to the home, not only for for, for its heat sink, but it's also for convenience. Think of this. If your greenhouse is freestanding and you need to go out to it, you're going to have to be, and you're in a snowy area, what are you going to be doing? You're going to have to be clearing a path. If it's attached to your home, you open the door, you walk in, and you're golden. And I guess your only limitation would be the slope of the roof. Yes, because you know when you're attaching a, a sunroom or a greenhouse to your home, the width of how far you can go away from your home, which is the width of the greenhouse, is a function of how much available space there is on your wall and if you're attaching to the gable end of your home or to the side of your home. But where the greenhouse attaches, there is a roof slope, uh, slope on the roof to, that is natural. And what you can do is just say, if I've got eight feet or more going available to attach, you should be able to get a reasonable-sized greenhouse attached to your home. Mark Seibert, he's with Sturdy Build Greenhouse Manufacturing in Oregon. Visit their website if you want to see some great pictures of greenhouses and more information, including a lot of questions you should ask yourself before you buy a greenhouse. SturdyBuilt.com, S-T-U-R-D-I, with a dash, B-U-I-L-T, SturdyBuilt.com, greenhouses. Mark Seibert, we learned a lot today. Stay warm this winter. Thank you, everyone.
If you really want to demonstrate to your friends what a great investment your greenhouse is, well, here's a little trick. Serve them homegrown tomatoes on New Year's Day. Now, here's what you'll need to do to grow greenhouse tomatoes for the winter. First of all, you need to choose the right tomato. For the typical hobby greenhouse, it might be 8x5 or 8x10 or 8x12, the cool season determinate tomatoes are the varieties that do best. They tend to be fairly compact plants that are under 4 feet tall. They don't put on lots of growth after they set fruit. Determinate tomatoes usually ripen at the same time, so choose several tomatoes that will ripen at different times going from seed to fruit in 50 to 70 days. And to minimize any disease problems, choose tomatoes that have built-in disease resistance. They'll have letters like V, F, N, T, and A. V for verticillium wilt resistance, F for fusarium resistance, N for nematode resistance, T, tobacco mosaic virus, and A, alternaria fungus resistance. And here's the expensive part. You're going to need a warm greenhouse. So whether you warm your greenhouse via electricity or gas, you're going to need to keep that greenhouse warm, even at night. To grow tomatoes in a greenhouse, you need to maintain a nighttime temperature range of 55 to 70 degrees, preferably above 60 degrees for tomatoes. Daytime temperatures should be in the 75 to 85 degree range. Tomatoes need light. Now, there isn't that much sun in the wintertime. It's kind of low in the horizon. So if you haven't installed a greenhouse yet, think about where it should be to get the best advantage of a low angle sun during the cold months. Make sure the building isn't shaded by any evergreen trees or other structures. You will need artificial light to aid the process. There are many artificial lighting systems available. We've talked in the past about LED systems. Fluorescent lights are probably the most economical. You can use four 40-watt, 48-inch long fluorescent tubes side-by-side, side, keeping them about 8 to 12 inches above the plant. Although standard shop lights are okay, Investing in Growlux wide-spectrum fluorescent tubes will give your tomatoes more of the light spectrum that they can use. And you're going to find that same light spectrum in LED lights as well. The choice is yours. And, of course, you're going to be planting in the greenhouse soil. But there are issues with that. If you plant directly in the soil that's at the bottom of the greenhouse, that soil needs to drain readily. Make sure it's been amended with organic matter and it isn't compacted. Building raised beds into the floor of your greenhouse works best. Make the sides of the raised beds about 8 to 16 inches high, at least 18 inches wide. The bed can be framed by a number of things, including untreated wood, blocks, bricks, or whatever your imagination tells you. You can even grow tomatoes in plastic 5-gallon pots, but larger works better, such as half barrels. And if you don't want to spend money on half barrels, a 5-gallon or a 15-gallon plastic pot does wonders. And another great container choice, if you'll excuse the plug, Smart Pots. These flexible fabric containers can grow anything you want in a greenhouse in the wintertime. Summertime, too. But fill it with the best potting soil you can find. There's a lot of good brands on the market. Ask around, do your homework before you buy a lot of potting soil. The ideal time to get your winter tomatoes started, actually from seed, was a few weeks ago. Late September, but you can get started on it now. Keep the seed beds evenly moist. 
Although the cooler temperatures of the fall and winter will cut down on the amount of water that tomatoes need, a drip system connected to a timer will ensure that the plants get the moisture they need. Four to eight gallons of water per week per plant should be plenty. And plants, too, also tend to slow down their growth in the colder months, so cut your dosage of your favorite tomato fertilizer by half and maybe apply it once a month. So how do you pollinate your tomato plants? Well, in nature, bees and the wind do most of the tomato pollination. In the greenhouse, you can accomplish that same task by either gently shaking or holding an old electric toothbrush next to the plant or twirling a small brush inside a tomato flower to transfer the pollen. And having a running fan is a great idea because not only will it help the plants pollinate, it will also help develop a sturdier plant. Now, here's the part they don't like to tell you about, the pests. In a greenhouse, whiteflies can be the toughest challenge. Monitor populations with yellow sticky traps. When you catch a few, take action. Maybe insecticidal soap or narrow-range oils are effective, as is a blast of water applied on a regular basis on all the leaf surfaces. And frankly, if one of those tomato plants is heavily infested with whiteflies, just get rid of the plant. Put it in the trash. Don't compost it. Put it in the trash. All right, and here's why you tuned in. Which greenhouse tomato varieties are best for the colder months? There are several. Now, all of these are determinate varieties. They ripen between 54 and 66 days, 68 days. And the plant themselves don't get that big. Maybe three, four feet, maybe five feet at the most. So some of my favorites that I've used over the years include Bush Early Girl, Bush Beefsteak, Oregon Spring 5, Polar Baby, Prairie Fire, Red Robin, Silets, Subarctic Maxi, Tumbler, and 506 Bush. 506 Bush only gets 18 inches tall, and they're pretty drought-tolerant, too, and they actually produce medium-sized tomatoes. And by the way, the tomatoes we're talking about, maybe at most 6-ounce tomatoes. Some might get up to 8 ounces, but generally speaking, 4 to 6 ounces is the usual size for many of these tomatoes. Cherry tomatoes, of course, do well in a greenhouse in the wintertime. But remember, most cherry tomato plants are indeterminate, which means they will just fill your greenhouse with a nice green jungle. I'll have a link to this information in today's show notes. Time for a quick tip. Professor Debbie Flower has an idea about how to keep the kids entertained at home and maybe learn a little bit of science using a CD case and radish seeds. Yes, I saw a hint and they said to use the, the what do they call CD cases? They have a name. The clear CD cases put some, they're very narrow. You're not going to get a whole radish out of it, but put a put some media in it. Open it up, lay it down on the table, put some media moisture about halfway up the CD case, put a seed in there, close it, and then turn it upright, and you can watch the roots. Children, I'm thinking of especially, can watch the roots grow. It's your own root-growing device. I would advise people to take out the CD insert, the black insert <laughs> that's in there first, so you have more room for soil. Yes. 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 Well, that's, a, that's a nifty idea. I, I like that. I thought it was cute. Yeah. yeah. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode. 
transcripts, links to any products or books mentioned during the show, and other helpful links for even more information. Plus, you can listen to just the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. And you'll find more information about how to get in touch with us. We have links to all our social media outlets, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, a link to the FarmerFred.com website. That's where you can find out more information about the radio shows. You remember radio, right? Now, if the place where you access the podcast doesn't have that information, you can find it all at our home podcaster, Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout Buzzsprout.com. Just look for the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. You'll find a link to it in the show notes. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday, and it's available just about anywhere podcasts are handed out. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, hey Alexa, play the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, would you please? Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.